If you're still on the hunt for a sports book to call home, bet the nonstop action of March Madness with my bookie. Enter bracket contests for a chance to take home prizes of up to $25,000 or pick from a huge selection of straight bets, props, and odds boosts. Whatever your style, MyBookie makes it easy to play your way and get paid. Sign up now and take advantage of our generous welcome offer to score a massive first deposit bonus of up to $1,000. All you have to do is claim promo code MADNESS50. But the fun doesn't stop there. Get up-to-the-minute odds, free bets, and expert predictions to help you decide who to put your money on. The best part about MyBookie? You can bet on anything, anytime, from anywhere. Use promo code MADNESS50, that's MADNESS50, to secure your limited-time welcome bonus today. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another edition of the Glory UGA Podcast. I'm Tyler, and back with me today for our Week 12 Picks of the Week is my coach, Charlie. And we avoided the backslide after a great week last week. I thought we might come back down to earth a little bit this week. And this week wasn't quite as good as last week when we, when we went 28-2 and two straight up and 21-9 and nine against the spread combined. But it wasn't too far off. This week we went 23-7 and seven straight up and 18-12 and 12 against the spread as a group. So in the black for the second straight week, and I will take that. The only pick we really have to own this week is is the South Carolina game where we picked the, the Gamecocks over Appalachian State. All three of us, Charlie, myself, and Zach, all three of us took the Gamecocks to beat the Mountaineers at home at night, but they fell about five yards short on their last drive. Appalachian State is good, so not a terrible pick, but that was, the I guess, the closest thing we had to a pick to own this week. As for our records, Charlie went 8-2 and two straight up. So, Charlie, last two weeks, you were 18-2 and two straight up. Are you feeling good about yourself? I mean, you know, it's expected. You're, you're you're more humble than the average person. Just kidding. No, I usually I expect to have horrible picks every week. And I mean, eighteen and two, that's legit. Like that's that's really good stuff, I'll straight take up. It. You also went six and four against the spread last week. You've really been making a push here down the stretch, Charlie. I think that's like three or four straight weeks that you've been like over five hundred against the spread. I think that's the case. That that's impressive for for you. And I, cause I, I mean, not to say that you're not capable, but you have like this but mental block against the spread. The spread just hurts my head. Yeah, I know, I know. It took you a while to actually figure out how that worked. Okay. Remember all those years ago when Don't you couldn't quite me. figure that out. But you've got it now. You've got the hang of it, so it's all good. Uh, so now Charlie's running season total sits at seventy eight and thirty six straight up, sixty eight percent. Uh, straight up in her pick. She's 59 and 55 now against the spread at 52%. Zach from Haversham County, Tavares King's neck of the woods, did an awesome job as our guest host last week. We really appreciate him joining us. The youngest guest host in the short career of the Glory UJ podcast with our guest host, right? Don't 19? Me. Zach, it's a great time to be alive, man. You're 19, so live it up, my friend. But uh, he did a great job last week. He went seven and three straight up and six and four against the spread. He had a couple of close ones go against him later. Could be even could have been even better than that. But still, very good stuff. And that brings our guest host season total to eighty two and thirty two straight up, seventy two percent and fifty nine and fifty five against the spread. So Charlie, you're still right there on the heels of our guest host straight up. And also, like you think that you're that means you're tied with him against the spread, right? Like that's really good stuff. Uh, but like Charlie, I went eight and two straight up and six and four against the spread to bring my running season totals to eighty-one and thirty-four straight up, seventy-one percent in those picks. And uh, I'm now one game back from our guest host after making making up a game each of the last two weeks, and I'm now sixty-five and forty-nine against the spread. 
And joining us today to try to put more distance between us and our guest host is a listener who has been a very active supporter of ours on Twitter. And a guy is always good for a great mailbag question or two. And that is Mr. John Picker. John, welcome to the Glory UJ podcast. Thanks. It's great to be on. Yeah, we're really excited to have you on, my friend. And uh, I, I, I apologize in advance. Without trying to be too much of a social media stalker, uh, I couldn't help but notice, like we were kind of communi- communicating on Twitter about you joining us today, that your profile picture has what it looks to be a, you holding a very small child, like a baby small child. Is that right? Is that you? That is me, but it is not my kid. Okay. I was Because I about had a heart attack for, you for a second there, man, because I don't have kids, and I don't know if I ever will because – I don't know if I can handle it. So do you have kids at all? Uh, I've like got me? two dogs that are sitting next to me. So, okay. So you're like me. All right. Because I was, I was all ready to ask you, like, you know, how is it to, like, go into a college ball season with, like, a newborn small child there? Because I just don't know if I can handle that. Yeah. No, I uh, – me and my wife are putting off having kids until we go to all of our bucket list sports games and travel the world. And so it'll probably be another decade or more. Dude, I think you and I are of the same mind. I think we're exactly in the same place in our life. But cool. Very cool. All right. But are you ready to make some picks? Absolutely. Let's do it. All right. Let's do it. Charlie, take it away. All right. Starting with our SEC picks, our first game is one that all dog fans should have their eye on before our game on Saturday as the Florida Gators are traveling to the second best college town in the SEC to take on the Missouri Tigers. The Gators have really struggled against Missouri recently, losing each of the last two seasons by big margins but they're favored by seven and a hook in this one. This is a game one of the, sorry, this is game one of the CVS doubleheader, and Florida, a Florida loss means we clinch the SEC East no matter what happens the next two weeks. So everybody should definitely be uh, saying M-I-Z. Z-O-U. All day long on Saturday. Um, I'm going to go, Kelly Bryant is supposed to be starting, so I'm going to go with Mizzou for this one. John, what's your pick? Um, so I went back and forth on this one because of the history that Florida has against Missouri, but Trask is actually, as much as I hate to admit it, doing well. Um, Missouri's got that good pass defense, but they're soft in the middle of the field. So I think if they can get Pitts and Swain involved and, uh, the offense can actually get rolling, get a few rushing yards, get after Kelly Bryant with him not being mobile with that hamstring injury, I can uh, I can see Florida winning, but not covering. All right, Tyler. Okay, so I have gone back and forth on this one a couple different times. You're right, John. Uh, Missouri has definitely had Florida's number over the last two years. I think the numbers, like they've outscored Florida like 83 to 33 or something like that over the last two years combined. So they have put it on the Gators. So on one hand, like you see, like, okay, they might have their number. But on the other hand, you know Florida's chomping at the bid here, no pun intended, to actually come out and uh, and make amends for that and kind of change that uh, that recent history. And, and you're right, Florida's definitely a passing team. Kyle Trask has been good. Like, and it's kind of what we expected. Like he would be a better passer than Felipe Franks. I still don't think they have access to all of Dan Mullen's playbook because there are some limitations with Kyle Trask as a runner. But he's done a really good job through the air. 
They're make, make no mistake about it. They are a passing team. They're 25th nationally right now in, in uh, passing offense and only 105th nationally in rushing offense. That is not good. Uh, but the thing is, Missouri is really good against the pass. We saw that last week. I know Fromm wasn't exactly on. He wasn't himself. But part of that was because Missouri is really good against the pass. They're fourth nationally in pass defense. So this is an interesting matchup, strength on strength offensively and defensively. Um, Missouri, they, they definitely have struggled on offense. Over the last three games, obviously we shut them out last week. That was without Kelly Bryant, but still, nonetheless, shut them out. They've averaged seven points a game over the last three, and two of those three games were against Vanderbilt and Kentucky, guys. Kelly Bryant, as Charlie mentioned, he is back. That certainly has to be factored into the equation here. You have to imagine our offense will get a little bit of a jump start with him back. But, I mean, he, he is dealing with a hamstring injury. You never know if that thing will pop back on you. I've had some hamstring injuries in the past. And those things can pop up at any given time. So this is a tough one for me. Missouri is 5-0 and at home. It's been a long time, over a month since their last home game. I mean, the last home game was October 12th against Ole Miss. I don't know, man. This is a really tough one for me. But I'm going to go – I'm probably picking with my heart here. I feel like Florida's probably going to win. John, you're probably going to get this one right. But I'm going to go with a heart pick over the head. I'm going to go with – the Missouri Tigers as my upset special this week at home. They've had Florida's number. They've been really good at home this year. They uh, they match up well with what Florida does offensively. And it's that new weird noon star at 11 local time. So we'll see how that plays out. But uh, give me the Tigers to win outright. All right. Well, you almost talked me out of my pick with your explanation there. I know. I'm going back and forth. Like I, I, could totally, I could totally see both sides. I know. I know. All right. Next up in another game all Georgia fans should be watching since we play one of these teams next week. Texas A&M is hosting South Carolina in a very strange annual cross-division rivalry game. South Carolina has to win out to become bowl eligible. Not happening. That's horrible. Like, so Which bad. Which sucks for us, but that's not happening. So bad this year. But South Carolina is the 11-point road dog in this one. I'm going to go with the home team in this one, but I'm going to pick South Carolina to cover. John, what's your pick? So this year I'm actually really surprised with how terrible A&M's offense has been, especially with Jimbo. Um, but Mond has gotten better since they decided to actually let him run the ball. Um, the issue I see is that they're giving up 142 yards a game on the ground. And even though Feaster's out for USC – I feel like they can exploit a lot of that running defense. Um, I think they'll be able to move the ball on A&M, but I don't see A&M being able to run the ball without using Mond on that USC defensive front. I think the injuries are going to be the key to the game with South Carolina having their number one and two wide receiver out and their second running back. So I'm going to call A&M to win, but South Carolina to cover. All right, Tyler. Yeah, John, you are spot on with the Kellen Mond analysis there. Like, he is certainly becoming more and more of a threat in the running game. And I think that's been a, a, a bit of a difference in their offense the past couple of weeks. They didn't have to run him as much against uh, Texas San Antonio a couple of weeks ago when we were in Jacksonville. But in the three games prior to that, he had uh, nearly 250 yards rushing combined in those three games. So I think, to me, I don't understand why it took him that long. I know that you don't get your quarterback banged up. You don't trust the young guy, the freshman, Calzada behind him. I get that. But that's what makes Kellamont potentially special is his ability to run the football. Uh, and they've kind of unleashed him, which is, I don't know if that's good news for us here next week. But Carolina, they are limping into this one after that loss to Appalachian State. And AM is coming off of a bye, so not a great setup for Carolina. It could potentially be a look-ahead situation for the Aggies as they head to Athens next week. But I'm, I'm really just not sure Carolina is playing well enough for it to really make a difference, even if, it, even if A&M is looking ahead to next week. 
Um, the Cocks are banged up on offense. Like you said, John, Aiden is certainly improving. They've won four of their last five. While simultaneously, Carolina, they're starting to fall apart the scenes. Obviously, we know what happened here in Athens. But after that, they've lost three of their last four uh, and three conference wins, though. Uh, I, I, I'll say this. I love AM to win this game. But if you look at it, um, it's, it's, I don't know if I want to pick them to cover here. In three conference wins, AM has won by an average of 10 points in those wins. So it's kind of like right on the edge there. But I, I just think these two programs are going in different directions right now. So definitely give me AM to win at home. And I'm going to hesitantly take them to cover the 11 as well. And before we move on to our next pick, I do want to remind you guys about our friends at Vivid Seats. It's still not too late to buy tickets for this week's game on the Plains inside Jordan-Hare Stadium against the Auburn Tigers. It's a huge game. You can still find great seats at great prices, and they can send those directly to your email address. You can print them off and show up on Saturday ready to go. There are also still a ton of tickets available for the AM game next week. It'll be a great matchup. The first time the Aggies have come calling to Athens since they've joined the SEC. So it should be a fun time, a lot of excitement in the air in Athens. So you can go to Vivid Seats today, find tickets for that game. You can even find tickets for the last game of the year in Atlanta against the Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets. And right now, Vivid Seats is offering a great deal where they are offering you a chance to earn credits back on each ticket purchase as part of their Vivid Seats Rewards Loyalty Program. All you have to do is go to the App Store or Google Play and download the Vivid Seats app. And when it's time to buy, new users enter the promo code OVERTIME at checkout to receive a discount of up to $100. All right, the next game on the list is one where there really is no mystery about who is going to win, but covering the spread becomes a little more interesting as Tua is still nursing the high ankle sprain. The Alabama Crimson Tide, fresh off their loss to LSU in the game of the century, are heading on the road to face Mississippi State. Bama is giving 21 points in Starkville. Uh, And, you know, I was listening. uh, I don't remember what it was, but apparently Bama is horrible coming off a loss to cover the spread. So I'm kind of rethinking my pick. Um, But I already wrote it down, so I have to go with it. So I'm going to pick Bama to win and cover. John, what's your pick? I agree with you 100%. Honestly, there's not much talk about this one. Alabama is extremely pissed off after being ranked fifth below us. And Mississippi State, to put it nicely, is just a dumpster fire this season. Joe Moorhead probably won't be there by next season. So I'm going to have to say Alabama wins and covers. Even with a backup quarterback, I'd probably take more than 21. All right, Tyler. Yeah, Bama's going to win this game. Like, that's that's not even a question in my mind. Uh, could this be a little bit of a letdown spot? Maybe. But regardless, I think the town gap is, is just too big right now. The, the, the Tide are going to win this game. But Mississippi State, I will say that there's some matchups I, I think that they could potentially exploit a little bit here. They do have the league's leading rusher in Kylan Hill, and that Bama rush defense has been exploited at times by lesser team, or least lesser rushing teams. But uh, I'm just not sure – that Mississippi State is balanced enough offensively to really, truly challenge them. I don't see this being really much of a challenge, but I'm kind of torn. Like I said, I, I like some of the matchups, especially that, that Mississippi State rushing game against the Bama rush defense, but this also could be a game where Bama wants to just take out some rush, frustration on anybody, whoever's next, and that happens to be Mississippi State, and just kind of make a point that they should still be in the top five. I think that's a very realistic possibility. But I'm also still not quite sure about Tua's health. I, I'm definitely taking Bama to win. And this is going to probably come back to bite me. But I'm going to go out on a limb. Is he doing it? Oh, my God. It? I don't know. I don't know. Am I Am I doing this? The stats, the his, 
I know, I know, I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. They don't cover the spread after they lose. But Mississippi State's not They're good. They're too angry this week. Yeah, John, you're right. Mississippi State's just not good. They're just not, like I like that matchup with, with Kylan Hill, but like I just it's so hard to see them even covering that 21. I, I, okay, give me Bama. All right. I, I've been peer pressured into it. I'm taking All Bama right. straight or straight up and to cover. Well, this next one is very similar to the Alabama Mississippi State game. As LSU is traveling to Oxford as the newly minted number one team in America to take on an Ole Miss team that still has a very, very outside shot at bowl eligibility. But the Reds are the 21-and-a-half-point home dog against LSU. I'm going with LSU to win and cover. John, what's your pick? Yeah, I think there's about as much to talk about with this one as the last one. Um, Ole Miss is just not good defensively. And... LSU's offense, I would say, is the best in America doing what they did last week and consistently doing it. Um, The only thing that I could see is LSU's rushing defense isn't up to par with what it typically is, and that's just about the only thing that Ole Miss can do. Um, With that being said, I'm still going to take LSU to win and cover and Joe Burrow to have a Heisman day. All right, Tyler. Yeah, Ole Miss, like, they're they're playing better. Uh, they've lost the last three SEC games by an average of, I think it's eight points. But come on, like like their in-state rival, they ain't winning this one. They're not winning this game. It's not happening. They're not balanced enough on offense. Yeah, they're running the ball a little better with, with Plumlee. But they're, they're still not balanced enough on offense to do much, and they're not talented enough on defense. John, you're totally right about that. LSU might slip up somewhere. They might. They might. But it's not going to be in Oxford. There's just no way I see that happening. But as far as the spread goes, it's a lot like Bama. I, I could I could go one of two ways on this. Like this could be a letdown sleepwalking situation, or this could be an LSU team that's going to come into that into Oxford propelled by all that momentum coming off that Bama game. It's just tough to predict how that's going to happen. Uh, I I would say I'm not sure they would have the emotional fire there after that emotional game, that big time win on the road in Tuscaloosa. But don't forget, guys, Coach O got fired from this Ole Miss program years ago. It was kind of left for dead as a head coach. And you, I mean, you saw this, Charlie, right? I'm John, I'm sure you saw this. Coach O's post-game uh, locker room talk to his players. Oh, gosh. Coach yeah. O's got some fire in him. He's got some fire in that belly, right, that Cajun belly. So uh, he might not say it publicly, but, you know, behind closed doors, he's talking about how much this will mean to him, how much he wants this game. Uh, so I think they are going to be ready to play, and I do think they're going to win and cover the 21 in the hook. All right. Well, we didn't really want to put this next game on the list because, honestly, who cares? But we are in SEC country, and this is a conference matchup. So here we go. The mighty Vanderbilt Commodores are hosting the Kentucky Wildcats and what might be head coach Derek Mason's last time coaching the doors against a conference opponent in Nashville. Kentucky at four and five has to win two of their next three to get to bowl eligibility and they are the 10-point favorite on the road in Nashville. I'm going with Kentucky to win and cover. John, what's your pick? Um, well, when I started searching Vanderbilt football stats, Google recommended some therapists in the area. Uh, so that's, uh, that's pretty much all you have to say about that team. Um, no, I mean, they've got Riley Neal back this week, and Kentucky has not been great passing. So if Neil can figure out how to get the ball to his playmakers, Pinkney, Vaughn, Lipscomb, they could do well. Um, On the flip side, Vanderbilt's giving up over 200 yards rushing a game. 
And that's pretty much all Kentucky does. So I feel like if they completely sell out to stop the rushing attack, Lynn Bowden could actually make them pay through the air just based off of how terrible their defense is. With how bad their defense is, their offense is worse. And because of that, I'm going to take Kentucky to win and cover. All right, Tyler. Yeah, great analysis there. That's that's, that's good stuff, John. Uh, but I'm going to once again, I've said this for, I don't know how many weeks in a row now when it comes to Vanderbilt, whenever we have to pick one of their games. I am sticking to my guns when it comes to the Vanderbilt Commodores. Kentucky is not a great football team either, but they're better than Vandy. They really are. Vandy, guys, they're dead last in both total defense and total offense. They're 14th in scoring offense and 13th in scoring defense. All those major statistical categories, they're essentially dead last in the in the SEC. They are a terrible football team. Lynn Bowden is going to definitely be the most dangerous playmaker on the field. And, and you're right, John. Like, uh, Vanderbilt does have a couple playmakers on, uh, at the skill positions. They just can't give him the football. Riley Neal come back could be a boost because Deuce Wallace was just, I mean, good God. Like, that's a peewee quarterback. Is, is peewee, even, peewee football even a thing anymore? I don't know, little league football. We'll go with that. Um, just terrible stuff. But that might give him a little bit of a shot in the arm. But still, you know, that, that Kentucky offense is entirely one-dimensional. They're only averaging 321 yards a game on the uh, on the overall with, with Lynn Bowden at quarterback. They do run the ball well. That's really, like you said, John, all that they do. But still, like, the word is that Derek Mason right now is a dead man walking in Nashville. And they're coming off a 56 to nothing beat down the swamp. I just am not sure that team has any fight left in them. I'm really not sure about that. Kentucky at least has a shot at bowl eligibility if they win two of the last three. And this is one that they need. Uh, I think that gives them the motivational edge. And I think they also have the playmaker edge. So give me the cats to win. And Vandy has lost their last five SEC games by an average of 30 points. So, yeah, Kentucky might not be great, but I'm going to take the cats to win and cover. All right, next up, we have an annual game that usually has the strange distinction of simultaneously being a very ugly game, but somehow also fun to watch as Michigan State limps into Ann Arbor after blowing a 31-10 fourth quarter lead at home against Illinois last week to take on in-state rival Michigan. Somehow, the Wolverines are only favored by 13 and a hook at home. I'm picking Michigan to win and probably shouldn't pick Michigan State to cover but it's a rivalry game, so you never really know. It's a fair call. So, John, what's your pick? As much as I would love to pick Michigan State to win on this one, even though they're uh, terrible, I just I can't do it. Um, Michigan State should just not be able to do anything based off of how good Michigan's defense is and the Spartans' lack of an offense. Uh, Patterson is – mediocre as he is, uh, should be able to do well against the secondary as long as the offensive line can give him time. Um, Michigan State, even though they're good up front, has given up over 200 yards a game in the air. Michigan State might be able to slow down their offense if if they can get through the offensive line, but I don't see them being able to score more than seven points at most. So I'm going to have to take Michigan to win and cover. All right, Tyler. Yeah, Michigan State is really, really struggling. Like when you blow a 31-10 fourth quarter lead at home to Illinois, that's what gets coaches fired. That that's how that's how it's done. And that dropped them to four and five on the year. Things have gotten very contentious between Mark D'Antonio, as successful as he's been throughout his tenure there. He's kind of fallen off the last couple of years. So there's been some very pointed questions thrown his way by the by the local media, and he has not handled that exactly uh, gracefully. Gracefully, let's say. 
So um, that's kind of interesting to watch down the stretcher, especially if this game goes very, very wrong for them. Um, and offense has been a major issue for, for a couple of years now for Michigan State. Brian Lewerke, their quarterback, he, he's capable. Like when I watch him play, I'm like, dude, you have some skills. You could be pretty good. He, and he makes some plays. Make you think, okay, this guy's maybe he's turned the corner. But he just makes too many debilitating mistakes for his team that put them in bad positions. I mean, I don't want to say it was all on him last week in that loss to Illinois, but he made some he made some horrible decisions, threw some horrible interceptions that were that allowed the Illini to get back into that game. Michigan is not much better on offense, but I do think they have more playmaking options, and they have at least been steadily improving under first-year coordinator Josh Gaddis. I, I'm with uh, with John here. I just don't see how a Michigan State offense that ranks 103rd nationally in yards per play is going to be able to come anywhere near scoring enough points against a Michigan defense that ranks in the top five in yards per play to win this game. I just don't see it. Like, I, I wouldn't be shocked in this game if I pull up the – the because uh, I probably won't be able to see this game. I think it's like – Right. Well, no, actually, I might be able to watch some of this. Depends if I can get a TV on it in uh, in Auburn. They might we want to be watching the Alabama game. But this uh, this would not surprise me if I pull up the box score and I see like Michigan State with negative yards. I, I wouldn't be shocked at that. Uh, I really like Michigan to win this game, but when it comes to the spread, I don't know. Like it is a rivalry game. Sometimes that can be tricky. I just I don't trust the Michigan offense all that much either. Even though I, I feel good about them winning this game, so I'm gonna take the Spartans to cover. Maybe a backdoor cover in a rivalry game. And real quickly here, before we get to our next game, I do want to remind you guys about our friends at mybookie.ag. We've given you a bunch of winners, both straight up on the money line and against the spread the past couple weeks, and that is our goal again today. No promises, but we're doing our best, done our research, and we're giving you our picks of the week here today. And if you decide to take our advice, or it might be better sometimes to just do the opposite of what we say, you can go to MyBookie today, and they have a ton of different betting options. Obviously, they have bets on the money line, against the spread. They've got a bunch of parlay options that you guys can use. They've got the round robins, all that kind of stuff. They've got halves. They've got quarters. They've got a ton of prop bets. Anything you're looking for, they've got you covered. And guys, if you join right now, MyBookie will match your deposit halfway, all the way up to $1,000. That means if you deposit $2,000, you do the math, you get an extra $1,000 in absolutely free money to play with. All you have to do is use the promo code OVERTIME to activate this offer. Once again, that's promo code OVERTIME to take advantage of MyBookie's very generous sign-up offer. Visit MyBookie.ag today. You play, you win, you get paid. Okay, staying in the Big Ten for one more game. Minnesota looks to continue its surprising season with a tough road game at Iowa. But despite their big win at home over Penn State last week, the Gophers are actually the two-and-a-half-point road dog against the Hawkeyes. And I would really love to pick Minnesota. I just don't know how they're going to play coming off that big emotional win. They haven't been in that spot before. Exactly. So, unfortunately, I'm going to pick Iowa to win and cover this one. John, what's your pick? I personally think that Minnesota is one of the more underrated teams in playoff contention this year. They actually have the fourth-ranked strength of record. Four of their last five games, they've won by double digits. The only game they didn't win by double digits was Penn State, who was top four during that time. Tanner Morgan has had two games where he completed more than 90% of his passes. Being Purdue and Penn State, almost 200 rushing yards a game, almost 240 passing yards a game. I got to take Minnesota upset. I don't really think it's an upset, but there's no way Iowa wins this game. All right, Tyler. 
Yeah, John, this is another one, man, that I've gone back and forth on. I do agree that Minnesota is playing really good football right now. They are a very different team than they were at the beginning of the year when they were really struggling against some uh, group of five teams. And, and a lot of people might be surprised that a 9-0 Minnesota team is an underdog on the road against a three-loss Iowa team. But when you look at the at, at some of the numbers here, and, and, and the numbers you laid out, John, were, were great, man, and, and all that was true as well. But I look at I was I'm always big on total yards differential, and Iowa is plus 600 on the year. Minnesota is plus 470. That, that's not a big differential, but I guess what I'm trying to say is I don't know if like Minnesota on the year is all that much different than Iowa, but they are playing better right now. There's no doubt about that. I watched all of their game against Penn State last week. I watched all of Iowa's game against Wisconsin. And Minnesota, no doubt about it, is playing much better than Iowa. Iowa just cannot do anything on offense. They're really, really good on defense. But offensively, they cannot run the football. And Nate Stanley, while he's a good quarterback, that offense is not built to be able to, to just throw the ball down after down with much success. So uh, I don't know. It's, it's, it's tough because I, I watched the play. I think Minnesota's better. But are they, like Charlie said, are they ready to follow up that big win against Penn State on the road in a tough place to play against at Kinnick Stadium? At the very against what is at the very least a, a solid Iowa team. I mean, Iowa they were borderline top ten defense. Like I said, they can't consistently move the football. That's been an issue for them. But Minnesota's quietly been very good on defense themselves. They have a couple of very dangerous weapons on the outside. Everyone saw that up close and personal last week with Tyler Johnson, Rashad Bateman, both going for over hundred. I think Bateman went up for, went for over two hundred. Rodney Smith's a really good running back. Tanner Morgan played the game of his life last week against Penn State. I mean, he was off the freaking charts good. If that was the only game you'd seen him play all year, you would have thought he was in Heisman uh, consideration. That's not really who he has been throughout the entire year. He's had games where he's thrown for 155, 128, 138 in conference play. So, yeah, he looked outstanding against against Michigan or against Penn State. But I'm just not sure if he's ready to do that consistently. And this is a tough spot. I Again, I think the Govers are playing like the better team right now. But I just can't get over the fact they haven't been in this spot before. So this is one I have no confidence in whatsoever. But give me Iowa. I feel gross saying that because it just doesn't sound right. But give me Iowa to somehow find a way to win this one. Okay, our next game is another game that all Georgia fans should pay close attention to on Saturday as Notre Dame is hosting the Navy Midshipmen. Not that it matters right now, but we are currently ranked inside the top four based on our two Top 16 wins over Florida and Notre Dame. If we want to stay in the top four long term, obviously we need to do our part and keep winning, but we also need those two big wins to continue to look as good as possible. And Navy is currently 7-1 and one and ranked number 23 in the college football playoff rankings. We need the Irish to win this one, and they are the nine-point favorite at home, according to my bookie. I'm going to go with Notre Dame to win, but I do think Navy will be able to cover. John, what's your pick? I got to start this one off by saying go Army, beat Navy. Um, But when you get into this game, I see Book just actually looking really good for this game. Um, Navy has given up over 200 passing yards a game, and the hardest team they've played against other than Memphis is Tulane. Um, Notre Dame hasn't been great against the run and that that's difficult with Navy being so one-dimensional in the running game but I think Notre Dame will be able to sell out against the run and not pay for it in the passing game I'm not real confident with the spread being nine um, I'd like it a lot more at six um, and I really want Notre Dame to win this one just for our sake 
but I don't think they cover the points, although they win the game. All right, Tyler? Yeah, guys, I'm in the same boat here. Navy, they're pretty good. I haven't really had a chance to watch them play much. I've caught a couple minutes here and there, but they have a quiet a 7-1 team in America, which is a major bounce back. It's been a consistently good program the past couple of years. They had a really down year last year with only three wins. Malcolm Perry at quarterback mm-hmm. is doing what Navy quarterbacks do. He's already got over 1,000 yards rushing in eight games. Uh, you're right, John. The best win uh, is maybe is maybe Tulane or Air Force. One of those two. Uh, Notre Dame, on the other hand, they're kind of they're finally figuring out who they are on offense. Book is becoming more kind of like Kellen in a lot of ways, becoming more involved in the running backs, and they're they're finding ways to win football games. They uh they have a top twenty five caliber defense. The Irish do. Navy's going to give them more than they want. The Navy is going to try to limit possessions, which could be an issue for a Notre Dame team that isn't super efficient on offense. But at the end of the day, I'm with you guys. I think the Irish do just enough. They're just too talented here. And uh, I think they're going to win this one. But nine points is a lot of points, especially against a, a Navy team that that does try to limit possessions, control the football with the inefficiency at times that Notre Dame offense. I think Navy is going to cover the nine. All right. In what might be a potential playoff elimination game, College Game Day will be live from Waco, Texas, as the undefeated Baylor Bears are hosting the Oklahoma Sooners. Baylor still isn't getting a ton of respect from the playoff committee sitting at number 13 with an undefeated record. A win against the Sooners would change a lot of that perception, but Oklahoma is the 10-point road favorite. I just don't know if Baylor's going to be able to score enough points to hang with Oklahoma, so I'm picking Oklahoma to win and cover. John? I agree with you 100%. The Oklahoma offense is a juggernaut, and Kansas State – Surprisingly enough, showed everybody a blueprint how to slow them down. But that fourth quarter comeback means that you're not going to be able to stop the offense the way they play. I think this game is going to come down to Baylor being able to bow their necks and stop OU's rushing game. Because Trey Sermon is not in this game. Um, Baylor's going to be able to keep Oklahoma one-dimensional. Not sure how much it's going to matter with those wide receivers and Jalen Hurts being able to do what Jalen Hurts does and has been doing for years. Um, I think Baylor can keep it close, and home field advantage is actually going to matter in this game. So I'm going to call OU winning in a tight game to take the lead in the Big 12, but I don't see them covering all 10 points. All right, Tyler. Yeah, this might be the first edition of of a, of a two game series against with Baylor and Oklahoma this year, because this very well could end up being the two teams that face off in the Big Twelve title game. Um, I, I I wrote down in my notes that Baylor's a fraud. I don't know. I, I kind of want to rethink that. I don't know if I want to go that far and say Baylor's like just a flat out fraud because they're a good team. They are. They're a good football team. They're well coached. They're disciplined. They have some good players. I think Charlie Brewer is an underrated quarterback. Denzel Mims is an NFL cover wide receiver. Hasty's a good running back. They have some good players on defense, but they're just not close to as good as the un- other undefeated teams in America. And I've watched them play a couple of different times. I think they are very appropriately ranked at number 13. They are plus 1,100 total yards on the year, which is good. That's a good football team. But when you look at the other teams ranked around them, that's why I say they're, they're appropriately ranked. Florida at number, what, the number 11 this week, they're plus 1,100 yards. Michigan at number 15 is plus 1,100 yards. Auburn at number 12 is plus 800 yards. So right in that range, they're in the right spot. Oklahoma, on the other hand, is a much better football team. They're plus 2,100 yards on the year, plus 24.4 points per game. 
They're just the better football team. I know it's in Waco, but if you look at some of the wins that Baylor has, yeah, they're undefeated, and they should, should get credit for finding ways to win, of course. But they beat West Virginia, TCU, Iowa State, and Texas Tech by a total of 14 points and an average of 3.5 points per game. Two of those games went to overtime, and one was a last-second field goal. And by the way, West Virginia, TCU, Iowa State, Texas Tech, those four teams are a combined 16-20, and 20, and Baylor barely beat each of those teams. Baylor's good, but they're just not elite at anything. They're just they're pretty good all around. They don't really have any massive holes, but they're not particularly great at anything. But on the other hand, as you mentioned, John, Oklahoma is elite offensively. Like those guys are averaging 587 freaking yards a game. That's absurd. Um, I, I, for one, am with you guys. I think Baylor's playoff party comes to a definitive end this week. Sucks for them. They got the spotlight with game day in town. But uh, I got Oklahoma to win and cover the 10 as well. All right. And finally, the South's oldest rivalry is objectively the biggest game of the weekend with our Georgia Bulldogs heading to what is definitely the worst college town in the SEC, or at least that's my opinion, to take on the 12th ranked Auburn Tigers. We control our own destiny and still need one more conference win to clinch the SEC East. We are the slight three-point road favorite, but we all know what happened there the last time we were in this spot. Ugh, it's hard to think about. Um... I'm picking UGA to win and cover. I think it's probably going to be a one-point game, so I'm probably shooting myself in the foot. Um, but I'm picking Georgia to win and cover. John? I agree with you that uh, we all remember what happened last time. But I don't know. Maybe there's one or two people on this defense that were there in 2017. And as every dog fan knows, the defense is the absolute best in college football. You can argue with me. I just won't believe you. I'm with you. I'm with um, you, John. I, I mean, along with the best defense, I think that is the best front seven, not based off of individual athleticism or talent or one person. I think it's the deepest front seven in all of the country based on the quality of the second string and the third string. You're switching guys in just about every play, and there's no drop-off. Um the biggest thing to me is this secondary with Campbell not being 100% possibly because Schwartz is a stud. He's too fast for just about anybody else on the team. Um, my biggest thing with Auburn's offense is that they showed against Florida that if you get after the quarterback, he will make mistakes. and Georgia, while not having the numbers, has shown, if you actually watch the games, that they can get after the quarterback anytime they need to. I think that if James Coley can call something outside of the four plays that he called for the first half of the season, that can tire out that Auburn defensive line because they're big guys. Um, I mean, just look back at the Florida game. Late in the game, they were actually able to run the ball on Auburn surprisingly enough. And if Georgia can utilize Blaylock, Jackson, D-Rob, anybody in the slot, Eli Wolf, for the love of God, get that guy the ball. If they can get anybody in the middle of the field with those linebackers, I feel like that's a matchup that Georgia can win 10 times out of 10. Get Swift and Harry in the ball in the passing game. With guys like that that can catch the ball well and make guys miss in space, I don't know why it hasn't been done before. And 
I think Bo Picks throws two interceptions in this game, and Georgia wins by more than three. All right, Tyler. I love it, John. I love it, man. Uh, and you laid out the game, the exact game plan that I would utilize against this Auburn defense. There's no doubt. It's exactly what I got here in my notes. I'm with you that we are like we're the better team. I said this on the preview show. Like, we are the better football team. Doesn't mean you're going to win, but we're the better team. Like we're plus 1,700 yards in the year. Auburn, I mentioned earlier, is plus 800. We're plus 23.6 points per game. They're plus 15.3. They're a good team. They're just not as good as we are. But saying that, this is, and I know I keep saying this every single week coming off by with t- facing teams coming off by weeks, but this is a very tough spot for us. It's on the road, hostile environment, it's a rivalry game coming off the they're coming off the bye. Gus Malzahn's eight and no, that's a startling stat for me. He's eight and no as the Auburn coach coming off a bye week. Uh we are facing a good defense. Uh when our and our offense has been inconsistent at, at to, to say the least. Um, and there's a lot of stake here. We, we've got pressure to clinch the SEC East, gotta stay in that top four. But the thing is, like when I think about those things, I'm not altogether sure how much of that is me personally, just still being a little shell shocked from our last visit to Jordan here, mixed in with the, of course, the Larry Munson flowing through my veins, like, and how much of it is based on actual football? Because when you look at this game objectively, this is a game again we should win. I love the matchups for us here. Sure, Auburn's really good on the defensive line. I'm not sure they're as dominant as everyone makes them out to be. They're really good, but I'm not sure like they're the best defensive line in all of college football. And, and they're going to be motivated to stop us uh, on the ground. We rushed for over 300 yards since then last year, and and we haven't been quite as good on the ground as we were last year. So they'll be motivated to stop us there, like every team we play is. But I, I really like our offensive line against that front seven. At the very least, it's not going to be a mismatch. Uh, we're not going to be completely overwhelmed by that Auburn team as a front like a lot of teams are. And uh, another match I like is like this Auburn team, they they run the football. That is what Gus Malzahn does. The downhill power rushing attack. He wants to run between, between the tackles, use all the window dressing, all the motions and shifts and all that to get your eyes in the wrong spot and run the ball downhill at you, kind of run down your throat. They run the ball 61% of the times of the time this year, but they don't have that kind of dynamic runner at quarterback they've had in the past. So it's not the same type of rushing offense that they've had. But, oh, by the way, we just happen to be, as you mentioned, John, really good on defense. We're a top five rush defense in America. And it's really tough for Auburn to have to be able to just turn around and, and try to win this game on the back of a freshman quarterback that hasn't been all that good this year. A freshman quarterback who's 11th out of the, uh, all the SEC starting quarterbacks. He's 11th in the league in total QBR. And he's going up against a defense that is not, not a points all season I know that he plays better I know that Knicks plays better at home but that's against defenses that didn't really have much of a chance to stop Auburn at all our defense is going to be a different animal so I really like our matchups pretty much across the board we should win this game but there are mystical elements at work in college football every single week that sometimes somehow allow lesser teams to jump up and knock off teams they logically should not beat so I'm just hoping that those forces just choose to not work against us this week. It's going to be a hard-fought game, especially early on. They're, they are going to be ready to play after a bye week. I have no doubt about that. Gus is going to have some wrinkles that we haven't seen. We need to keep it close early so we can uh, be in a position where we can make some adjustments at halftime and still have a chance to win. So I, I think it's going to be really important, like I said in the preview show, to start fast, to take the crowd out of it, and also force them to play from behind and put the ball in Bo Nix's hands, which I think will play into uh, our favor. My nerves are already frayed, no doubt there, but I'm going to go with a logical in a sport that is sometimes illogical. I'm going to trust my eyes and the matchups. I'm not overly confident here, but I'm going to go with our guys to pull out a hard-fought victory on the Plains 
and cover late by the skin of our teeth. John, I hope you're right, man. I hope that we that uh, we win big. Um, but and again, this is probably me just being illogical and just basing this off being in that stadium last time and how that felt. But uh, I'm with you. I think that we're going to win this one. Please so. God, please God, let this happen. But uh, that's it for us, guys. That's it, uh, John. Dude, great job, man. I really appreciate you coming on today. Oh yeah, no, I'm really glad that I got to be able to do it. Yeah, this is great, man. You, didn't, especially on short notice, you absolutely killed it. We'll try to get you back on in the future, man. You did a great job. So thanks for coming on. Um, I hope everyone enjoys their football weekend. Hopefully, this is a weekend for us to all celebrate. I hope to God, uh, keep our playoff hopes alive. But for Charlie, I'm Tyler. Thanks to John. And as always, go dogs.